Welcome, everyone, to the Baseball America podcast, along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. As usual, this podcast is brought to you by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. At ATEC, we're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATECSports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbin and more on ATECSports.com. ATEC, win every practice. Aaron Fitt. First trip to the Southeastern Conference for you that would did not involve the state of South Carolina, and it sounds like I've you... been to Gainesville as well. I've been to I'm Gainesville sorry. before, but I stink. this is the first trip to LSU in Mississippi, which is long overdue, certainly. And it sounds like uh, you saw some good baseball, so let's just dive right in there uh, and talk about the Southeastern Conference this weekend. And the first one that you went to, the first uh, part of the trip was the Baton Rouge, and uh a little Ray Frimes, a little uh, Georgia LSU. Let's talk about the Bulldogs first. We haven't talked a lot about the Georgia Bulldogs uh, this year. They started off the year in the top 25, a little bit of an off year where they really struggled against some softer competition early. It feels like they've improved as a team as the year has gone on, and they have a true uh, – maybe I shouldn't say a true. They have a, a first-round, supplemental first-round draft prospect, depending on who you talk to, and Alex Wood. Uh you know, evaluate the Bulldogs. They lose the series at, at LSU, but they looked, they looked like they, from afar, they had a lot of fight in them. Uh, what yeah. kind of regional team is Georgia, and you know, what's their prospects for the postseason? You know, I was impressed again with the way that they responded after two really disheartening losses. I mean, they uh, had the lead in the eighth inning Friday and Saturday, and, and they lost both of those games. Um, and you know, it would have been easy for them to roll over on Sunday, but. Um, they came out and, and actually came from behind to win that game. So, um, you know, it, it's like Alex Wood said when I was talking to him on Saturday. Uh, you know, I think we're leading the country in moral victories, uh, which <laughs> I thought was a that's a great line. a good way to put it. It's a great line, and that's you know, and that's Georgia over the last three years. It seems like they just you know they they have a lot of character. They do have a lot of fight. They play hard all the time. I, I believe that, and uh, and they just manage. There's snake bitten a little bit. They just haven't been able to put everything together and it keeps seems you know, every time it seems like they're they're on the, the verge of making a run, they you know, they lose a tough game here, a tough game there, and they lost in, in sixteen innings at Florida last weekend on Friday and um, you know, they lose two heartbreakers at LSU. I mean it's it's just uh you know, it's it's tough sledding for them. It's just it just seems like there's one thing after another, whether it's an injury or, you know, this or that. I mean it's it's uh it's it's a tough team, but you know they, they they the biggest thing is they need to get Levi Himes going. I mean that's the guy that the senior that they really you know were counting on to be one of their best offensive and defensive players. Um, you know kind of the the catalyst for this team, and he's had a really bad year, and he, he just he's been in a funk. Um, and so I mean I think he's a, he's a really key guy for them, but they've got you know I, I think their one-two punch with Wood and Palazone is good enough to keep them in any series um you know palazone is good i mean it's not overpowering as we know but it's uh you know it's 88 to 86 to 90 it's firm enough and he's got a great feel for the change up and curveball um he exited early on saturday with a back spasm so hopefully he's okay because that's huge i mean their their whole season round their team is built around around wood and palazone going deep into the game because um, their bullpen's a little thinner they don't have last year's closer tyler maloof who had those 18 saves has really good stuff. I mean, he was a key piece that they lost. They haven't had him all year. They had to move Blake Dietrich, of course, to the to the bullpen, um, where he's been pretty good, notwithstanding Saturday where he gave up a grand slam to Mason Katz in the eighth inning. But uh, you know, it's it's. I think 
think they're I still think they're a solid team. Uh, certainly they're not a, a a top ten or eleven team like we had in the preseason. That was too high. Uh, but uh, you know they're still in the mix for a regional. I mean it's not a gaudy record. They do have some work to do, uh, but they you know they won a big series at home against Ole Miss a couple of weeks ago. They haven't gotten swept by anybody. Uh, they just need a couple more series wins right now because right now they don't have very many. Yeah, it seems like the schedule's there for them. They're in the their RPI. They're in bubble territory. I don't think there's any doubt about it. They're in bubble territory for me. I mean they're probably on the bubble in, but they've got a series at home against Auburn and they've got a home series against South Carolina that is. Uh, you know, I think their objective from afar, obviously they want to win a home series. I think in my mind, don't get swept and you do okay. And then they're going to finish the season at Alabama. And, you know, last year they went into the SEC tournament, Aaron, and they, they had to make a deep run and they did. And, uh, you know, made it to postseason. To me, I think I think get the nail on the head. You look at their team and you just think that you know, guys who are, who are you know, the last three or four years, they you'd say they were counting on offensively, Colby May and Levi Himes. Uh, Colby May was a big deal recruit, just hasn't really worked out for him. And, and Levi Himes having a, fair, frankly, a brutal year, 222. I mean, those two guys, I think when they were mapping things out either a year or two years ago, they were thinking either would have been drafted by now and signed, or they were thinking would be really good seniors for them. And instead, they've been uh, pretty iffy. So feels like Georgia um going to have to win, in my mind, two of those three last series. Uh, to yeah. you know, to, to get I the agree. postseason play. Meanwhile, LSU, Aaron, this is you know, uh, I, I, it's hard to say what's the story of this team. Is the story of this team their stra- starting pitching, which we thought would be very good, and it is. Is it their bullpen, which seems has been better than was expected by either the Cognoscenti or even their own, uh, probably their own staff, Palmineri. Or yeah. is the story of their year, Ray Frimes, who's hitting a freaking mind-boggling 500? <laughs> Which would you pick? Well, I mean, I think the one of the biggest stories in college baseball is a guy hitting 541 games in, into the year. Uh, I mean, that's it's unheard of. And, and I'm, I wrote plenty about Ray Frimes uh, in, in three strikes that we posted later today. But I mean, he's it's it's just an incredible story of a guy who you know was a walk-on as a freshman, got cut from the team, transferred to LSU. Eunice, uh, you know, was a national junior college player of the year, came back uh, when they had an opening, and, and uh, you know, he hit 360 last year with an elbow injury that required Tommy John surgery after the year, uh, comes back, and, you know, he's just a hitting machine. He's really something special, and he makes their whole offense come together because it's, again, as we talked about a bunch of times, it's not a, a particularly imposing offense, but when you've got a guy that good in the middle, it makes everybody around him better. I mean, you know, he he gives Mason Katz extra protection, and um, he's always on base. I mean, if I, you know, 53% of the time he's on base, so I mean that helps. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's a lot of the, the best teams I think in in the league and, and in the country. I mean, they've got that guy in the middle, whether it's um, you know Tucker or Zanino, whether it's um, Christian Walker at South Carolina. You know, I mean, it's. Uh, uh, there's always somebody to anchor the lineup. I think that's important. Yeah, and, James, and, uh, James and Ramsey. James Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, Luke Maley at Kentucky, uh, Max Muncy at Baylor. You're looking at our top ten teams there, and I can pick out a guy on all those teams. Obviously, Michael Lorenzen. I don't even necessarily hit in the middle of the lineup, but he means so much to Fullerton. Uh, you just go up and down yeah. those lineups, and you kind of pick out a guy who's that uh, that key guy offensive, you know, offensively. I guess the thing for LSU is they kind of have two guys with Katz having the big year that he's having, but no one's having a year like like Ray Frimes, who only eight strikeouts in 156 at-bats 
if it, if it weren't for the fact that he's hitting 500, that would be the most impressive thing. But he's hitting 500, which is crazy. <laughs> Hasn't yeah. been done in the SEC since 1983. I think there's only been 15 guys who've done it over a full season in Division One. Uh, so, you know, Dave Magadan's your last guy to do that in the SEC. I think he hit 525 in 1983, which is insane, kind of mind-boggling. But uh, um, you know, tell us a little bit also about Mason Katz. I mean, like this is the one guy who's kind of feels like he's an old-school LSU slugger. Yeah, he's got some some pop, and um, you know, he uh, like I said, he had that grand slam on on Saturday night that really electrified that place. I mean, it was a uh, you know, it was a super regional Omaha kind of an atmosphere, and that place was was jumping. And you know, he's got some, again, he's got some juice, and he uh, he's actually I, I was impressed with his defense this weekend. You know, a, a guy that I I didn't realize uh, how good of a right field he plays. I mean, he uh, uh, you know he made a, 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 at least one really nice sliding catch that sticks out to me, and um, he's just a, he's just a solid all around player. You know, and and um, the one thing that I will say is that LSU in general didn't play great defense this weekend, in the infield especially. I mean, Austin Nolan made some really good plays. I mean, that, that guy, uh, I know scouts aren't sold on him as a big league shortstop, but, boy, he makes some real big league plays. I mean, he does, he does as good a job as anybody uh, charging on those slow choppers and, and uh, making a strong throw. He's got a great internal clock. He's just a, a great player for them. I mean, Maneri calls him the best shortstop I think he's ever had, so um, that tells you something. But, but you know, Hanover struggle at third base, probably a little uncharacteristic. Characteristically, they made some errors this weekend that they had to overcome, and their pitching staff is good enough to do that. I mean, I was impressed with Gossman especially for showing a lot of, of composure on Friday uh, in a game where you know he gave up five hits in one inning, and none of them were hit hard, and three of them were, were balls his infielders should have made plays on, I think, uh, and they weren't given errors. But, I mean, it's uh, he really dug deep, escaped the bases loaded jam, and the guy is, is very polished, uh, I think, uh, much more so than he was last year, that's for sure. I mean, he's got really five pitches he's got five pitches that are viable um and he he uh you know he pitches inside and gets swings and misses against right handers with a change up which is something you don't see often um from a college pitcher and runs that two seamer in on you and uh and he's not just throwing throwing 97 because he can I mean, he does that too but right i mean he's uh he, i think he's a pretty complete pitcher john i think for me uh i think he's a top college pitcher on the board right now I'm with you. I am with you. I thought we talked about a Friday in a draft podcast with Connor Glassy. Some of the changeup has made huge strides for him, and the, the breaking ball was a big pitch for him as an amateur. And in high school, it sounds like it kind of comes and goes, uh, the breaking balls in college, but it sounds like, uh, again, as a guy who's got a four-pitch four pitch mix, it sounds like. Uh, you know, throws, throws yeah, I mean, he throws a lot of Yeah, he throws a slider and a curveball. The slider is something that he just kind of started working on with, with Alan Dunn, the pitching coach in the last you know second half of the season you know went through the season uh and he actually threw that considerably more than the the curveball this weekend so but in both those pitches I, I think are are you know viable I mean like I said they're they're solid so um you know and Ryan Eats is of course is a big arm behind him uh, but but as you alluded to I was impressed with the bullpen I think Nick Goody's a shutdown closer at the back I mean a guy that uh, has a 070 ADRA 34 strikeouts and two walks uh in 23 innings I mean that's loud, that is loud. Um, and he's good I mean He's uh, he's 90-93 with a, a really nice power breaking ball, um, and they've got a nice supporting cast around him now. They've got a couple of lefties with, with Chris Cotton and, and Brett Bonvillon, or however you say that. I don't, I don't know. I don't care how they. I don't care how anybody says it. I love the way you said it. <laughs> Bonvillon. Uh, you know, and enjoy. I, now what we need to do? We need to get uh, we need to get JJ Cooper to say that. <laughs> that yeah, would be exactly. Awesome. That'd be great. 
That would be but, awesome. Uh, anyway, it's, it's it's a good staff. I mean, you got you know you got power righties around him too with Rumblo and and McCune and Joey Bourgeois, who's also you know a ninety ninety two guy. So I mean, it's a it's it's a much deeper staff uh, than we thought it would be, or else you thought it would be heading into the season. Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Aaron, and you've seen uh, you're in Starkville now, so you got to see a little uh, left field lounge, uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Mississippi State, uh, some of they've got uh, a potential six starter who could be from their opening day lineup who could be hurt with the, what's their DH's name? I'm blanking on his name. Got hit by a pitch. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's right. They did. They did lose uh, Trey Porter, I believe it was. Trey Porter. That's um, you know, which is which is uh, you know, it remains to be seen how long he'll be out. Uh, it sounds like it was a metacarpal thing. They, uh, you know, when last I heard, they hadn't and x-rays yet so i don't know but uh the bigger news to me well just as big at least probably bigger is that they lost uh ct bradford uh this right. weekend on saturday he had an outfield collision um you know hurt that shoulder again that's been that's been injured before right i mean he's just such a key piece for them you know he's just such a dynamic player when he's healthy and, and going right i mean i do think that adam frazier the shortstop has really emerged as, as a catalyst in his place i mean that's a that's a guy who uh is a really good athlete um, he can really run. He's got considerably more walks and strikeouts, so he gets on base at the top of the lineup. I mean, he's a great player, but I think the rest of their lineup is very, very unimposing. And, uh, you know, fortunately, they play very good defense, and they have a ton of arms, good arms, uh, led, of course, by Chris Stratton. But, um, you know, I thought Louis, Louis Poirierena pitched very well on Sunday. I mean, just a you know, little lefty athletic guy. Uh, running up there 91. I mean, he didn't pitch there all the time, but he touched it, and uh, you know he gives them a chance on Sundays. And he's he's a great team guy. He's kind of waited for his opportunity, and now he's, uh, you know, and now he's. He, he, I think he kind of completes that rotation. They needed that third guy behind Stratton and Graveman, um, and and of course their bullpen is is very good uh, with a lot of depth and and a, and a great proven bulldog closer in Caleb Breed who just goes after you with that power breaking ball pitch after pitch, and uh, he's just. You know he's, he's he's as good. I think he's as good as it gets as far as a college closer. Just a guy that uh, uh, really knows how to win. I am as well put. Big series win for Mississippi State this weekend, and that clearly helps their regional chances. I, mean, I don't think we really thought they were necessarily on the bubble. They've got they're 32 in the RPIs, so a little bit higher than the, than Georgia was. But Ole Miss, Aaron, you know the other team that we just kind of can't. I, at least I can't get uh, my arms around. I mean, it's a very left-handed lineup. It's a pretty older physical lineup. Feels like, you know, they've got some pitching, maybe not as deep a pitching staff as Mississippi State. Feels like Ole Miss, uh, am I wrong in saying they feel like they should be a little bit better than they are? You know, honestly, I think they're about what they should be. I mean, this okay. was a team that was, what, 22 in, in our preseason rankings, and they're 24 right now. I mean, they they're – they're kind of a solid SEC team that wins most of their home series and doesn't get swept on the road, um, you know. And that's 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 about that's about right. I mean, I think this is a team that uh, is a good offensive team. I mean, you know, Yarbrough and Snyder in the middle, boy. I mean, you can put that up there with with any duo up in the country. I mean, you want to talk about Zeno and Tucker, Yarbrough yeah. and Snyder are, are pretty darn good. I mean, you know, Yarbrough is a switch hitter who's just as good for both sides. I mean, one of the best pure hitters in college baseball. Uh, and then Snyder is just a really physical old, older guy behind him. Hit three balls extremely hard on Sunday. Uh, one of them off the batter's eye in, in dead center field. One of them that was over the fence but brought back by a leaping Hunter Renfro. And when one of them that was just crushed down the line but foul. Um, so, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> he's a physical presence in the middle. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, 
the question with Ole Miss is is the pitching depth, and they had to move R.J. Hively. Um, they kind of are using him in that that Chad Bradford role a little bit that LSU used to have, and um, you know where they they'll they'll and now I think Arkansas is it Arkansas no not Arkansas somebody else is doing the same thing I'm, I'm drawing a blank but uh, where they they'll use their um, oh it's Stanford with AJ Venegas that's what I'm right. thinking of they'll 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 use him out of the bullpen if they need him to one of the first two two games and if not they'll start him on Sunday and so this weekend they they you know they threw Hively uh, and extended him in relief on on Saturday so then it's you know not a lot of options to start on Sunday and that's the problem is they they uh, they went with a kid named Bailey who's coming off uh, labrum surgery. Tanner Bailey is his name. And, you know, he's, um, you know, kind of a stock right-hander, a big physical guy that uh, 89-91 with a little slur, but he, he didn't pitch well. He didn't get an out in the first inning. Um, and, uh, you know, fortunately Dylan Chavez came in, and after a shaky start, um, you know, he hit a couple of guys, but then he settled in. I mean, they've got a couple of guys in the bullpen. They need Houghton Buchanan to continue to progress. He pitched well, two hitless innings in relief. You know, big power guy, 1994. Uh, and then Brett Huber is really a key at the back for them. I mean, he's a guy that has been dealing with some shoulder tendonitis, hadn't been himself, had had kind of an up and down year. But uh, it was encouraging on Sunday that he came out and, and looked pretty good, 89-92, well, pretty good stuff. I guess that's the thing for me is I thought that their pitching depth would kind of be a plus because of guys like Buchanan and Josh Laxer, a couple of very uh, impactful mm-hmm freshman arms, to go with getting Hively back, the development of Bobby Wall. But I mean, it's the SEC. It's tough, and uh, it's tough to win with a tough for freshman to make an impact there, and that's why the other kind of SEC team I want to talk about in this somewhat abbreviated podcast is South Carolina, because we last seems like the last time we visited with the Gamecocks, uh, we talked about them being almost too young for their own good, and all they keep doing now is winning series, and I know that they've played a little bit easier part of their schedule in some ways, but uh, they keep sweeping people too, Aaron. And, uh, you know, they, they win a game one, nothing against uh, Alabama. And they win a game 12, 11, uh, kind of a just win baby thing, but they, they went and swept Auburn. They swept Mississippi state. Uh, so you sweep three straight series in the league. I don't care who you're playing. Uh, that says something to me. What, what's led to this turnaround for the Gamecocks? I think they've just kind of found their groove. You know, it's uh we were kind of waiting for that to happen. I mean, it took a little bit of time um, for for them to mesh early in the year. And, uh, you know, they uh, I think they've been swinging the bats better lately. I think that's key. Um, you know, they, they've gotten uh, pretty good production from guys like Grayson Griner, of course, and, uh, um, you know, who's who's settled nicely in the middle of that lineup. Um, you know, Dantzler, I think, had a, had some hits this weekend, and uh, they got some production out of Tanner English. So the, the newcomers yeah. have – have been good. I mean, they needed to be. Uh, that was a key to South Carolina season, and and I think those guys have have really come into their own. And now, kind of, is there? I guess there was a little bit of a freak injury deal for Colby Holmes, so he didn't pitch this weekend. Uh, I don't know if you see anything on his prognosis, but it feels like they have the pitching depth to overcome that if if Holmes misses a week or two, if if it's not serious. I would agree with that. Yeah. And, and obviously they've kind of overcome uh, some inconsistency by Forrest Kumas. I mean, they've got a lot of young arms. It really just seem, feels like their season, we've noted on the podcast, but when Jordan Montgomery went into the weekend series, or went into the weekend rotation, that just seemed like that signal to see change. So they almost doubled down on more freshmen, and it feels like it's really uh, paid off for them. Yeah, and Montgomery had a kind of a rough outing this weekend, and they made four errors behind him, three by Joey Pancake. So, I mean, that's, that, that again is, is – you know, something we've talked about this year is a concern for this team. But, um, you know, like we said, they got the bats going and were able 
will win that game anyway, 12 to 11. Joey Pancake is never, never not fun to say that guy's name. That's the Baseball America <laughs> College Podcast with John Manuel and Aaron Fitt. Aaron, let's shift out to the left coast. Your usual stomping grounds. Uh, the big series of the week was uh, UCLA and Stanford. And here comes the Cardinal. And Stanford starting to get its offense going a little bit more. Uh, scored seven runs and two wins against UCLA. First team to 7-1 in the series. Uh, the winning team scored seven runs in every game. And, uh, you know, Oregon then also kind of separating itself a little bit from the Pac-12 pack uh, with a sweep of Cal. I don't know if that's a death blow to Cal's – I don't know why I think it's funny to say death blow, but I don't know if that's a death blow for Cal's regional chances. It certainly doesn't seem to help. But Mm -hmm. Oregon kind of cementing itself at the front of the league, and Stanford – uh, I don't know if they're going to win the Pac-12 regular season because they stumbled a couple times in that sweep against Arizona is really going to hurt them. But it still feels like Stanford, when you evaluate not necessarily their body of work, but their talent level and their team, it feels like Oregon has the best body of work and Stanford has the best team. Is that a fair evaluation? Yep, I think you nailed it on the head. Um, I do I do think now that that Stanford, out of, the, out of all the teams in the Pac-12, seems like the most viable national championship contender. And, you know, that's not to say that they don't have warts, but something that we've noticed is that there, everybody has warts this year. There isn't a, a juggernaut, you know, that really stands out to you. Um, I think there's 10 teams, you know, eight or 10 teams that all – you can throw them in a hat and, uh, you know, good luck picking a, a championship favorite. I mean, we thought it was Florida for a while. Um, they clearly have some vulnerabilities. You know, I think Stanford, um, you know, they still don't have a lot of arms that they trust, but I thought it was great that they got – five scoreless innings out of Sahil Bloom this weekend in, in relief of A.J. Venegas. Um, you know, so that's a, that, that could be a guy that really emerges for them down the stretch. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've talked about their firepower, and their offense has gotten going again, which is key. Um, I, I do like them the most out of, out of all these teams long term, but you know, Arizona is another team to keep in mind. I mean, they've gotten their offense going as well, obviously, against East Tennessee State. They scored a lot of runs, but that's a, that's a – it should be a good offensive team. We expected it to be, and it has been. I mean, they are—they're dangerous, and uh, you know, their their pitching needs to hold up. And right now, they're just kind of holding on. Uh, but you know, they're they're getting their starters to go deep into games, even when the, the hitting conditions are friendly. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of pitching depth, but I think they're pretty good too. And in all these teams—we've talked about it before. I mean, Oregon, Arizona, UCLA, Stanford—you know, Arizona State, which won't be in the postseason—but they're they're—they've got great pitching. I mean. They're a factor, um, and and they've actually they've hit pretty well too. Arizona State, um, Oregon State. I mean, it's all these teams are are you know they're solid. They're good teams. Right, like you said, I think it's. Uh, I think the big takeaway from what you just said is there is no obvious national championship favorite. I think if I had to pick eight for Omaha right, <clears throat> right now, I'd probably consider like sixteen teams for eight. I mean, there's yeah. really no. I mean, Arkansas moves up to number eighteen in our rankings this weekend. And uh, this Monday, and they just went and beat Florida on the road. And uh, I'm not saying that they're a lock for Omaha, but they're at 18. I think they're a very legitimate Omaha team. I mean, I'm, you're, I, think you're, I think you're going deeper this year than most years. And the reason I wanted to bring up that Stanford-UCLA uh, series, Aaron, is any, any concerns you're starting to have about the Bruins? They have a great resume. Their RPI is very high. But now they play Purdue this weekend – I'm a little bit too excited about this series, more excited than I probably should be. Should be. But it feels like if Purdue wins this series, um, Purdue's going to be have a real chance to be a top eight national seed. Yes. Maybe, I'm over, maybe I'm overselling them a little bit. 
but there's certainly going to be no, a good not. chance to be a one uh, and a host, right? They're going to host regardless. At this point, I mean, even if they lose the rest of their games, they might host because they've they've had a great season, and you know they're ten in the RPI, and they're they're just uh, you know they're in a great location. They're going to host, um, but. I do think if they win the UCLA series, I do think they got a really good chance to be a national seed um, because uh, their resume is, is good. And uh, this is a real opportunity for the Boilermakers. I mean, and, and for UCLA now, they've lost four series. Um, you know, if you lose a fifth series, uh, you know, I mean, it's hard to see them not hosting because their RPI is so high. I mean, they're number four in, in the figures I'm looking at right now. Um, but, uh, you know, if you've got five series losses, all of a sudden there's a little slippery slope thing going on here with UCLA. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about them, but at the same time, my opinion on UCLA is kind of what it was coming to the year two. I mean, they're, I think they're a good offensive team, a good defensive team, an average pitching team, uh, with, with a better bullpen than we expected. We'll give them that. That's an area where they're better than we thought they'd be coming into the year. But, uh, you know, again, it's, it's not, uh, it's not a juggernaut. Yeah, there's no juggernauts. And I, I guess that means we probably should talk, even though we have, I feel, a lot about Florida. I mean, we thought they'd be the juggernaut, Aaron, and uh, they got Hudson Randall back this weekend, and uh, Carson Whitson's pitched better of late. He seems like he's and he's still not Carson Whitson, full, full-fledged, force Carson Whitson. You know, when he does it a couple weeks in a row, I'll believe that he's full force Carson Whitson. But their offense is not what I thought it would be either. Uh, and that doesn't mean yeah. that their offense is bad, but... Uh, uh, Arkansas obviously can pitch, but I mean, I, I just thought Florida would be a little bit more explosive this year. And, and the bottom half of their lineup feels like it's yep. just eh. You nailed it. And that's the that's the word. When you talk to people in the SEC who play Florida, you know, they kind of they kind of whisper almost about how, you know, everyone talks about how good they are. But really, you can, you know, the bottom half of their order is not, it's not special. And, and you can, um, you know, and you can pitch around those guys and, it's it's uh, the guys in the middle. I mean, it's it's. I don't know. I mean, that that is the weakness. I think that's the way you have to put it. It's 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 not as deep. I don't think of a lineup as they had last year. And uh, you know, I mean, if you're comparing their, this team with last year's team, I think last year's team was more complete. Um, you know, they certainly had. <laughs> when you've got a full, strong, healthy season out of Randall and Whitson, that helps a lot. And right now, yeah. they need those two guys. That's that to me is still the key to the whole deal. If those two guys can return to form and, and pitch very well down the stretch, really like Florida's chances. Um, now they might be able to do it with just one of those guys because Jonathan Crawford is good. He does have good stuff, but and their bullpen's ridiculous. Uh, he, and their bullpen is ridiculous. They can really shorten the game with, with Maddox and Rodriguez, especially and Magliozzi and you know Larson. I mean, it, it is a it is a really good deep bullpen. There's no no other way to put it. The best thing I think about their bullpen. Even though I know they like Magliazzi, but last year they had so many options. This year they're going to win the postseason. They're going to go. You're going to use three guys, whoever their starters are. They got to figure out. They got to figure out three starters. But you need six people in the in the postseason. You need three starters. You need three relievers, and they have three. They know who their three are: Larson, Rodriguez, Maddox. They know their three. Yep. That's going to be their money guys. The other guys may as well just go throw their bullpens to stay loose and get ready for summer ball. They should not. I mean, that's just the way. They, that's how you win a national championship. You have six guys. They got to. They got to get their three starters right. To me, the other part of it, Aaron, is just getting one of those young guys at the bottom of the lineup hot. Whether it's Gashu, who's not hot, Turgeon, Tobias, Schaefer. Who's your best bet to get hot for the Gators down the stretch? You had to pick one of those young guys in the second half of their lineup to 
to show some offensive spark. I didn't even give you Cody Dent as an option because no offense to Cody, yeah. but I don't think he's an option there. No, he's not, and and I think and Tobias isn't either because I'm pretty sure he's out uh, okay. for the rest of the way. But uh, you know, how about Vikash Ramjit, John? You know, I'm going there. He's the guy. Um, I think he needs to be the guy that that really steps forward. And and you know, Turjan is what he is. He's kind of a nice little you know scrappy second baseman who's gonna make contact and push the ball around and draw some walks. And I mean, he's 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 a solid contributor. I mean, he's not gonna knock your socks off. Uh, but uh, you know, Gus Yu does have a lot of offensive potential, and he does have five home runs this year, but he's really struggled, it seems like, as you, as you kind of mentioned, um, after a hot start. You know, so I think he's another key piece as well because they still, you know, they still believe in him, um, and he needs to – I think he needs to, to perform better. I mean, that's all there is to it. Yeah, that is all there is to it. Uh, Baseball America podcast, John and Aaron. Let's just wrap up, Aaron, real quick. Uh, we've got uh, in the ACC – we have Virginia winning a series at Miami still to, to come with a final game. Uh, Florida State wins again, obviously not in league play. And North Carolina was not in league play. NC State kind of takes care of business against Duke uh, this weekend. That Virginia-Miami series, that seems like the most interesting one. The, the Hurricanes, I think you put it very well in tracker, they are in a serious funk and just a disastrous defensive performance by them this weekend with a five-error game. Steven Perez has kind of fallen apart defensively this year, 18 errors, and that's a guy who played some of the year at, at second base. Uh, just yeah. feels like he's not physically right at shortstop. He had some elbow injuries early. Um, they're without Peter O'Brien. I mean, just a lot of things going wrong for the Hurricanes. They aren't in danger of losing a regional spot, doesn't feel like, but they've. Are they, is it safe to say they're out of the regional hosting uh, discussion right now? Yeah. It, right now, certainly. I mean, I guess if you know, if you get hot and win the rest of your games, you know, I mean, heck, you're back in it. But that's just, they're um, just not that kind of team. They're not that kind of team, and even with even at full strength, I don't think they're that kind of team. I just think they're okay. Um, you know, and, and to be fair, the schedule opens up now. They've got Bethune Cookman and, and Wake Forest, uh, and then at Georgia Tech before the conference tournament. So I mean, they could still write the ship, but uh, they just don't. You know, they 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 like they've been the last couple of years. They're just okay. They're not a great team, and. Um, you know, and, and Virginia's not either, but right. I, I think Virginia is better than Miami, and Virginia is a younger team that I think is is peaking at the right time, whereas Miami is definitely going in the opposite direction. It does feel like Virginia's getting better. Um, feels like Clemson's getting a little bit better. That was a big weekend with them yeah. and Georgia Tech, a big series win for the Tigers, who really don't have a great resume, but they have swept those bottom teams in the ACC. It feels like feels like Clemson and Georgia Tech, though, are regional teams, maybe. Georgia Tech still on that bubble, but kind of bubble in. Yeah, I would say so. And Clemson will have a little bit more in them in three strikes today. But you know, they they did take a little bit of a blow this weekend, losing Kevin Brady um, for two to four weeks now, and uh, um, and Matt Campbell out indefinitely with a rat, uh, lat strain. Um, you know, that's we'll see how they overcome that. But uh, um, you know, Brady's got a, a hamstring strain, so it's one of those things that could linger. You hope it doesn't because they need him, but. Um, you know they're they're pitching. They, they, I think Dominic Leone's been a little in, inconsistent for them. Um, he'll probably be the new Friday guy, so they they need him to to put it all together, throw strikes more consistently, really command the zone. But uh, the, the key for Clemson this weekend, I think, was they they finally got some real production out of the bottom half of their lineup, and that's been a, an issue for them this year. But um, Spencer Keyboom had a huge weekend for them, um, and uh, you know, and, and so did. I mean, McGibbon and Baum and those guys, uh, Stoltz. I mean, um, you know, they got some hits. They really contributed. Brad Felder. Um, so that's a, that's a key for Clemson going forward as well. 
key boom, especially because it's been ice cold all year. Yeah. But just uh, Virginia Tech beat Maryland this weekend. So you look at Virginia Tech at 31 in the RPI, Clemson 33, Wake 37, Georgia Tech 38, Maryland 39. It's going to be really tough for the committee uh, to f- – that that mess – it would be nice if that mess sorted itself out, Aaron. Good luck sorting that out in in, uh, in the stock report this week. I'm going to let you go. We both need to go. Yikes. Uh, and wrap up the podcast, but the ACC, it is, it is fair to still say, very, very muddled after you have Florida State at the top, yeah. North Carolina and NC State, to me, are the next two teams, um, yep. and we'll see if North, if North Carolina reacts well to the softening of its schedule and the return of Colin Moran the rest of the way. If they don't, I, you know, to me, all bets are off. NC State still has the difference maker in Carlos Rodon, who was phenomenal again on Saturday. He had one one bad inning; the rest of it was uh, made it made it look very easy against Duke. Uh, but that league, after those top three teams, I don't think there's another team in that league who even threatens Omaha. I think you're right. I think you're right. I really do. All right, Aaron. Uh, safe travels the rest of the way. You're going to see a little Southern Miss and Ole Miss before you head back, correct? That's right, on Tuesday, and then I'm, I'm heading back on Wednesday. So it's been a, been a good trip down here. Outstanding. Of, of course, a lot of outstanding work on the draft blog as well as the college blog. So check that out uh, from Aaron Fit. And we want to remind you that the Baseball America College podcast is brought to you by ATEC. Uh, ATEC is a baseball training machine company, and it's committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATECsports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbin and more on ATechSports.com. ATech win every practice. Real quick, Aaron, you've got Purdue and UCLA this weekend, right? Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. That's that's the highlight of the schedule for me this weekend out in SoCal. And we should mention Vanderbilt's Tim Corbin, as we just mentioned. Big series win for Vanderbilt. They beat Kentucky. If you're going to win an SEC series after you lose to Alabama, mm. make it the team that had not lost a series all year. Vanderbilt within two games of 500, Aaron. The Commodores still have a shot to get in there. It's not like they've played better of late, especially yeah. they pitched better. Tyler Beatty finally getting rewarded with a win, but it sounds like he's really been better the last few weeks. He's really, I think, exactly right. He's turned the corner. He's become more like what they expect him to be. The stuff is good. Uh, I think he settled down nicely this weekend after starting that game with 11 straight balls. Uh, to finish with seven scoreless innings is, is impressive. Uh, Zomek was good this weekend. Um, you know, the, the arms are, are, I think, coming together for them. They've got T.J. Pecoraro now going on Fridays only something like nine or ten months off Tommy John surgery, so um, he needs to hold up for them because uh, he's, he's a guy that they really like, but, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I thought it was interesting that they moved Tony Kemp to second base this weekend because uh, Riley Reynolds was hurt. Um, I think that's a good spot for Tony if he can play it, and the reports I heard were, were pretty encouraging. And if you can get uh, Connor Harold back going and get, get some consistency out of their lineup, uh, it'd, be a, it'd be a big boon for the, uh, for the Commodores uh be good to see them finish strong uh, just because you know what they've gone through this year. And, again, the schedule they've played it has been really, really tough. So uh, a lot of things to look forward to this weekend. Aaron, again, great stuff from you over the weekend in the SEC country. Enjoy the rest of your trip and uh, travel safe. Thanks, John. Take care. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America College Podcast. So long, everybody. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. 
And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.